Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves. Feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. This is a View from the Bullens podcast. Listen to all the news, views and inside track from Goodison Park. This is a View from the Bullens podcast, sponsored by The Beer Keller, Liverpool One. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello and welcome back to another episode from A View from the Bullins. And joining me today is, of course, Lee McLean and Ben Winstanley. Lee, Everton nil, Chelsea won. Everton fall to a defeat. First game of the season at Goodison Park. No Dominic Carvert-Lewin, Ben Godfrey injured, Yerry Mina injured. A lot to talk about. What was your opinion of the performance first and foremost? Uh, performance was okay, uh, I thought. Uh, I thought we, we, we looked a lot more planful. It was a lot more structured to the side. Um, you could tell what they'd been working on in pre-season. Um, it wasn't a bad performance by any means, I don't think. It was just you've, the, the guy you mentioned first there, Calvert-Lewin, just a huge, huge miss. We didn't have a focal point up there all afternoon. And I feel we could have played till early hours of the morning last night and, and, and probably wouldn't have scored. We had a couple of half opportunities, you'd say. Uh, Tarkovsky had a, a good header and a really good save. Not sure if it was going in, but tip over the bar from Mendy in the first half. Um, one drop to Anthony Gordon. Obviously, couldn't quite set himself. The fact that he's not a striker showed, I, I thought, there. Half a chance for Damari Gray when he outpaced uh, Thiago Silva. 
Um, saying that, my nan, because of how pleased Thiago Silva. Um, and the only other one I can really think of is the, the half chance that fell to Decore towards the end of the game where it was blocked. Uh, didn't quite fall for Holgate. So, yeah, it, it, to me, it was like a draw. Uh, I think nil nil or 1-1. I echo Lampard's thoughts there. That would have been a, a fair reflection on the game. Wasn't much in it. I thought Chelsea were quite fortunate with the goal. I think it was a penalty. Um, you, you know, if, if that was us, I'd probably want that given. However, if it wasn't given, if it makes sense, I don't think it would have got overturned. It was just one of those clumsy coming together. But to Corey, give the referee a decision to make. However, overall, I thought his performance was really good. But it was the, the free kick leading up to that goal. I mean, Raheem Sterling just throws himself on the floor with nobody near him. It's a blatant dive. And the fact that wasn't spotted by the referee is extremely poor. And, it, and obviously, it's led to the goal. A couple of things, obviously, I don't know, I probably won't go on to the Godfrey incident in case we're going to come back to that later, but that's left a sour taste in the mouth. And, you know, just hope that he, he's a young lad, he's strong, he's fit. Hopefully, he recovers quickly, so all sorts go out to him. But it was just one of them. I think that game came a week, maybe two weeks early for, for both sides, I would say. I was speaking to a couple of Chelsea fans before the game and they, they were of the same opinion. Just comes a little bit too early. I don't think either side have finished in the transfer market. And I think if, if you were to play that game next week or the week after, you will have seen a stronger, um, more reflective, both Everton and Chelsea side. So plenty of positives to take away from the game. Um, more, more defensively, individual performances at the back, I thought were really, really promising. James Tarkovsky gave everything that we probably expected him to at the back. Vocal all game. Very, very solid um, at the back. I thought both wing-backs uh, performed really, really well. Um, Michael Enko there put a good cross in for Tarkovsky in the first half. And that's what we want to see more from him. Uh, and I thought Nathan Patton on the other side was really, really impressive. Um, on a difficult afternoon, it was always going to be a difficult afternoon for him uh, with the quality that, that Chelsea have. Um, but Chelsea are a good side. Uh, they're going to be up there this season and it's no disgrace to lose to them. It was very similar to probably the, the game last year where we came out on top and it was very, very tight. Probably wasn't much in the game. Similar to that. Um, but not going to get too down. Uh, hopefully in the in the coming days, um, you know, things are going to look a bit a little bit different in terms of options that we're going to be able to call upon. Hopefully in time uh, for Aston Villa at the weekend. So it's just a case of shaking ourselves off, putting it down to one of those um, and looking forward to getting at least something against Villa on Saturday. But yeah, plenty to be optimistic about. Mm, yeah, Ben, Lee's right, isn't it? Plenty to be optimistic about, especially defensively, 16 corners conceded. And Everton looked in pretty much control, didn't they, for, for every single corner? I think that was the main positive for me. I think there was a period in the first half and second half where there was continuous bombardment of corners. I think it was when uh, Ben Godfrey went off and Mason Holgate got introduced. Um, best wishes for Ben Godfrey, by the way, and Yerry Mina before, obviously, we go into a match analysis. But, yeah, defended them really well. I thought Mason Holgate came on. His first input was that big towering header at the front post. And he played predominantly well. We, we, we nullified Chelsea. <clears throat> Let's get it right. We got beat by a penalty, which was a penalty. I don't think there's any real issues for me or any Evertonians. It'd be hard to disagree. Is it soft? Yeah. But again, he got gets the wrong side of Ben Chilwell and he goes down under a bit of pressure. It's de a definite penalty. But apart from that, they, they didn't really create many chances at all. And defensively, we looked very sound. Agree with Lee, thought Tarkowski was unbelievable. He, he's a proper leader. If you watch him, he organises the defence, gets everyone in line. And 
I just think he's going to be a great signing for us. I really, really do. Again, it's always nice following Lee because he, he speaks very well. The, the, the fullbacks played really well for me. Patson was lively. Mikolenko was lively. But man of the match, and that you might go on to it in more depth a bit later on, but Alex Awobi, again, how things have changed over the past two years for him. A player who 18 months or two years ago, we would have all been happy to see leave the football club, <clears throat> has now basically put himself first on the team sheet for me in, in that pivot role in central midfield. I thought he played really well and he complimented the core really well. He had a decent game. I think defensively, we look extremely sound in the 3-4-3. Which is promising, but it, it's it's worrying times, isn't it? Because we we go into a boxing match with, with a lot lighter gloves on than everyone else. We haven't got that 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 attack to like break down, get behind, play, get behind teams, go and score goals. There was no creativity. I felt sorry for Anthony Gordon and <clears throat> Damari Gray in the interchangeable front three because Kula Bailey and, and Thiago Silva are just two big fellas, proper footballers who bossed them about the whole game. There was no real threat. They, they won every header. We, we were trying to pick up the scraps on the second ball and trying to dominate going there. So going forward, we need to work on it. We did have chances. We really did. The, the Damari Gray went through and it was a quite easy ball for, for Anthony Gordon. He would have been in one-on-one -on -one and he couldn't quite get the ball, which you expect a professional of Damari Gray's level to make. Um, the Tarkovsky header in the first half, brilliant save by Mendy. Second half, Damari Gray one on one. He had a, he got a shot off. Deli Ali had a chance, but apart from that, there was no real cut chances. Was there forever? And that's the worry. We need a striker as soon as possible because if we had Dominic Calvert Lewin starting or a recognised striker, things may have been different yesterday. But a lot of positives. I can see the formation. I can see the tactics. I can see what Frank wants to do. Another big week ahead of the window. We need a striker urgently. Mm, Lee, Frank Lampard, obviously, without Dominic Calvert-Lewin, opted for, it was, well, Anthony Gordon, really, wasn't it, who started down the middle with Damari Gray on one side and uh, Dwight McNeil down the other. How do you think those three fared in, in a difficult system for those three with no focal point? Um, difficult as I say I don't think either of them had the best day that they're ever going to have in, a, in an Everton shirt um, start with Dwight McNeil I thought he was quietly okay comfortable on the ball uh, looks like he's going to be a good player um, but he, he needs time he needs time to come into this team and find his role um, find his feet get used to his teammates um, so you know to, to expect firework from him and another repeat of Kiev obviously Chelsea are a different beast to Dynamo Kiev Um was probably expecting a little bit bit much, so I'm sure there's going to be better to come from him. Um, Damari Gray, I, I think he had a really difficult afternoon again. I, I, I've gone on record, I'm a big fan of Damari Gray, I think he's great. Um, on his day, he looked at the, the front end of last uh, last season, I thought he was absolutely outstanding. And on his day, he can be with, with his pace and things like that. Uh, but he, he just seems to have gone off the boil a little bit and he needs to find that early season from last season spark again from somewhere and, and I think that will come and I still think we'll we'll see some positives from Damari Gray this season um, Anthony Gordon was, was played out of position and I thought he had a really tough day for me he looks like he's trying too hard sometimes uh, he runs into he runs into alleyways he runs into cul-de-sacs a lot of the time for me which is frustrating and you can see it coming a mile off I'd just like him to get his head up a little bit more and, and see more of the pitch in front of him and, and pick 
you know, don't don't try and beat two men when they're in front of you. Sometimes it's okay just to release the ball, play the simple pass, and maybe bomb on and look for a one-two, whatever that may be. Um, but he needs to start delivering more output. I'm not I'm not bashing Anthony Gordon. Um, we all want him to do well. He, he's got a great attitude. He did exceptionally well for us last season. But ultimately, I think he is an attacker, and we are within our rights to judge attackers by goals and assists because that is what they are paid a hell of a lot of money to provide and he's just not doing enough for me um I think his development was rushed a little bit given the situation we found ourselves in last year it would be great for me if we had the options available obviously yesterday we didn't but if we did have the options available to pull Anthony Gordon out for a few weeks um and use him more sparingly maybe off the bench things I think that's what he needs um, he looked really, really tired in the second half yesterday as well. I will point that out. So as a collective, that front three were just not good enough. Ben touched upon it there and he's absolutely bang on. Those Chelsea centre-backs might have had, might as well have had the, the, the deck chairs out with big Cuban cigars all, all afternoon. It was an easy afternoon's work for them. Experienced, top, top international players and it showed. And we didn't really lay a glove on them. Um, so the need for a striker is absolutely apparent. I don't think I think we're going to really, really struggle to get points on the board unless we get a focal point in. Uh, Lampard was right yesterday. Dominic Calvert-Lewin's not out forever. He is he is young. He's fit. He, he does tend to recover from injuries quite quite quickly. Aside from obviously the the, the horrible thigh injury that he had last year, the muscular one. Um, so he might surprise us and be back sooner than we think. But until then, there's still games to be played and points to be won. And I'm just worried. Um, that if we go into those games with the same as yesterday, you know, okay, we might pick up the odd draw here or there, but I just think we're going to struggle because in the Premier League you need goals. So you know, this scouting team, whatever they're doing, be quick because we need someone in uh, to support. Because I think other areas of the pitch, now we now that we know that Ananas, you know, looks like it's it's a done deal. He was there yesterday. Just a guy should be done shortly. Um, you know, midfield, we look like we're okay. We've got some options there. Defensively, again, we look okay. We've got options there, but going forward, there's just not enough. And in in this league, you need goals. Ben, whilst Lee's talking about the striker frailties that Everton have, do you feel that Frank Lampard's maybe been sold down the river a little bit? One injury to to Dominic Calvert Lewin. I know obviously there's a there is a suspension for, for Salomon Rondon, but nevertheless, one injury to to a striker, and all of a sudden we don't have a striker to to call upon. Do you feel that Frank Lampard has a right to be aggrieved heading into the season, maybe a little bit under-equipped? Yes. I think after last season, what happened with Dominic Calvert-Lewin, he suffered a really bad injury, one that can affect other parts of your body whilst recovery, and that's what we've seen. Unfortunately, it's another freak accident that's happened in training last week. Um, So to go into a first Premier League game with no recognised striker is something that Everton should have sorted earlier on the transfer window. Look, we've had a good window. I'm optimistic. Obviously, there's a few more signings lined up, but not getting that striker in is has really cost. Does you look at, for example, could you potentially delay the likes of Ellis Sims going out on loan? It started off tremendously yesterday for Sunderland, scoring two goals away from home. Do you delay that loan deal in anticipation until we get that striker in? I'm not saying Ellis Sims should start week in, week out for Everton. That, that's not what I'm saying whatsoever. What I'm saying is that there was too much pressure put on the likes of Anthony Gordon, Damari Grave and Dwight McNeil yesterday in an interchangeable front three because they're playing against Thiago Silva, who's one of the best centre-backs probably of all time. He's won everything, absolutely everything. 
And the Cooler Bailey's been around for years. We've all known like how much of a powerhouse he is. You got Reese James, Ash Blaquetta, Ben Chilwell. That's a very, very good back five, really, to get behind. So I felt sorry for the front three yesterday. They were trying, they were running. But as Lee said, I think maybe one or two could potentially benefit from having a bit of a break, not feeling that they have to try and drag this team over the line because we need a squad. We're building a good squad, but we needed a striker weeks ago. Not not now that the window shuts because obviously the World Cup for three or four weeks into the season. We need that wrapped up now. We, we know Dom's out for six to eight weeks. And it's probably about eight games in that period. That's 24 points on offer. Like We need to be fighting and getting up there. We can't expect the likes of Anthony Gordon and Damari Gray to, to, to fight the line against Premier League centre-backs. We can't. That's not their game. Their game is standing people up one-on-one, going down the line and whipping the balls. And they're not used to running channels. They're not used to dragging out centre-backs on position to make, uh, obviously, room for other players. That's not their game. So maybe that's the one criticism I've got of Kevin Farwell at the, at the moment um, and the Everton hierarchy. Obviously, a lot more in the past five years, but this summer specifically, not getting that striker in. Maybe sending Ellis Sims out on loan. Did we time that right? I don't know. Um, could it cost us? I'm not sure. And again, I think yesterday he probably should have started Delhi up front. I think, obviously, we've seen in pre-season when he's come on, he's, he's flourished, he's he, he a lot better dropped in, I thought. He was getting on the ball yesterday, he was having a go, but there was just no service. It seemed, like I said before, it was long ball a bit, and we were trying to clear up on the seconds. And that's not Deli Alley's game either. He wants the ball to feet, trying to play in behind the lines, get your wingers in behind the back and get balls into the box. So, yeah, we need a striker this week, urgently for me. Uh, it's great that we're getting these midfielders in. Great that we're getting a defender in shortly. But we desperately need a striker as soon as possible. And it is negligent that we haven't got one in, in reserve. Mm, Lee, one positive, a big positive, was Alex Awobi. His performance, he, he was absolutely fantastic, wasn't he? Playing in a central role. How did you think he fared against a, a really, really good Chelsea midfield? No, absolutely outstanding. As I say, he is he's picked up from where he left off last season. He's, he just got confidence. You know, football is a confidence game, um, but he, he's worked hard to bring that confidence on himself, I would say. And he's done that by digging in and he, he put an extra 20% in. Something clicked with him last year, we said it, um, where he thought, right, I, to win over this fan base, and he had a lot to win over, by the way. It looked like, like Ben said before, his career with Everton looked doomed. He, he said to himself, you know, if I'm going to have any chance of a future with this football club, I'm going to need to dig in and work hard and show people that, you know, I've got more than just a few fancy touches and, and I'm a little bit of a show pony. And boy, has he done that, you know, from from sort of the two third points of last last season. He's, be, he's been our best player. He, he really, really has. And yesterday, again. We went into that game with with some doubts in terms of our midfield. Um, whilst we were waiting for reinforcements to start with him and Corey in the middle, we were a little bit worried about that. Um, and we needn't to be because I thought both of them were absolutely outstanding yesterday. But you're right to point out Alex Awobi. I thought he was just exceptional again. Very, very disciplined. Ran his socks off. I thought fitness-wise, I thought him, Tarkovsky and Patterson were the three that looked fitter than the other Everton players for me. Um, but it's, he's, he's given Frank Lampard a real headache and a real selection dilemma because if we are going to get reinforcements in, which we know we are this week, um, 
I, I wouldn't want to be dropping Alex Iwobi at the minute. And if, I, if I'm Alex Iwobi and, and I'm losing my place in that 11, um, I'd be knocking on the manager's door, asking some questions, thinking my performances don't deserve that. So I hope that doesn't happen. Um, it's great that we're, that we're likely to have options in that area of the pitch now um, and, and, and improvements where needed, no doubt, no doubt about that. We've all called out the, uh, the frailties and the weaknesses of our, of our midfield. But Alex Iwobi, in a number of positions... Um, has been absolutely exceptional. Yes, there was no exception to that. Um, is he is he a number six, uh, or did he just have a really really good game yesterday? We don't know. It'll remain to be seen. That's not my job. Um, you know, he, he's shown he can he can do a job at number ten, even on the wings now. Uh, I just think he's turned the fan base. And the big thing for me now, the difference is he he misplaced the pass yesterday. I think there was a really quite an easy ball on uh, in the second half and he hit it straight at a Chelsea player. 18 months ago, two years ago, there will have been groans all over the ground um, you know, and, it, and his head will have been down. Yesterday, not a murmur. Um, and, and the next time he gets on the ball, everyone's willing him on to do well and, and he deserves that because he's brought that on himself. So like, another great performance by Alex Iwobi um, and let's hope he goes on to have a, another really, really good season. I'm sure he will. Well played. Mm, ben, I know Lee's a huge fan of, of Nathan Patterson. Nathan Patterson started yesterday at right wing back. How did you think he fared? You know, a difficult player in Ben Chilwell to come up against at times, but he, he, he really shone in and he's shown what he was all about, especially going forward. Yeah, I think obviously Kula Bailey as well was, was your left centre-back. So they're the, the two very good players on that left-hand side. So I thought he did really well. I thought the first half was extremely promising. He was, he was bombing down the right-hand side where I was sat and he was very attacking, put some really nice balls into the box, always looking inside for, for passes. So I thought he did really well, as did Mikhailenko on the other side. I thought that 3-4-3 formation really suits the likes of Nathan Patterson. It really, really does. He... He, he seems to be getting a lot better of when to go and when to when to halt and go into a back five. And defensively, he looked he looked okay. I think obviously Raheem Sterling put him under pressure a few times, went past him, but that's going to happen. Raheem Sterling's very good at one on one situations. He's going to get past you. Thought it was a great, obviously Premier League debut for him, um, starting at Goodison. But nope, the boy did really well. Um, it, it's great to see. He's somebody who we all on this podcast are desperate to see have some success because we know how he played for Rangers in the handful of games up there. And obviously in Scotland as well, where for Scotland International, where we've seen how, how exciting he can be there. And it's, it's just going to come. This season's going to be a bedding in time. It really, really is. He's not going to hit the ground running. He's not going to be setting up goals every single week because he just won't be Everton aren't going to create an awful lot, I don't think, this season. But when he does, he's a definite outlet. I think what's also nice to see is Tarkowski always looks for him. I think when he gets the ball down, he's got one hell of a long ball. And Patterson always seems to be in space. And a few times again, like we've seen in pre-season, Tarkowski picked up the ball and put in a 60-yard cross-field pass, as he always does, straight to Patterson's feet. And it gets us up the pitch quick. And it brings other people into it. He worked quite really well with Dwight McNeil, especially in the first half again, who for me, I thought Dwight McNeil was quite unlucky to get substituted. Maybe I'm wrong. I think it might have been, should have been Anthony Golden or Damari Gray. But look, it was solid. Very nice, good defensive display. A lot of positives. Obviously some negatives. We know that, but we defended the set pieces really well. Nathan Patterson looked good. It was a solid 6-7 out of 10 performance. I thought he played really well. 
So, no, really made up for him. Hopefully it settles his nerves, settles him down, and he can really show what he's like. Obviously, Seamus Coleman played for the under-21s the night before. So, fingers crossed he can keep that spot his own. Lee, I know we've already spoken about it, but 16 corners conceded by Everton yesterday. Marshalled very, very well by Everton's defence and the structure. It's very, very pleasing to see, isn't it, that maybe, maybe the hard work during training on set pieces is now coming to fruition, especially with a leader like James Tarkowski organising the back five. Yeah, absolutely. It was. Um, it was unbelievable at the run of corners. Um, you know, I was sat behind the goal in the Gladys Street as always yesterday. And it was just like one after the other. Um, but there certainly wasn't that air of nervousness, um, you know, when they were coming in. They're definitely, whatever it is, I, I'm no tactician. Uh, don't never claim to be. Um, but clearly people knew where to be stood. Uh, what the roles were, who the men were, um, very very commanding, I, you know, and I think that's a a mix between personnel. James Tarkovsky being being the main one, he's a leader. Um, couldn't agree with Lampard more in terms of he doesn't need the the captain's armband to be a leader. He just does that naturally. We need more of them, and hopefully we'll see that. Um, and and with the likes of Onana coming in, um, <laughs> you know, we've seen the picture of him and him and Ben at the match yesterday. He looks about seven foot. Because uh, I know ben, Ben's not, you know, he, he's quite tall himself, but wow, he's he's a giant, so that he's going to help us as well going forward. Um, but yeah, really, really pleasing to see. It's been an area that's hurt us almost week in, week out, going back as long as I can remember. It's been so, so frustrating to watch. We've been at games together where we can see goals coming uh, a mile off. Um, you know, I can recall a few, and it's just been so, so amateurish back there. Um, we've we've talked at length about the coaching setup um, and the team that Lampard's built around him, um, and it is nice to see um, you know th- these things coming into fruition and improvements being made on, on the match day. You talk about that, you talk about the the fullbacks, um, and you know, you think you know you've got Ashley Cole and Leighton Baines in the background there, and our fullbacks seem to be improving. That's not a coincidence either, I don't think. Um, really, really positive signs. Um, so yeah, big big tick in the box. We need to. Uh, continue that keep working on that cohesion on the training ground um, and if we can keep it at nil it gives us a chance especially when we're we're lacking options going forward keeping a clean sheet gives you a chance to get points or even even nick a one nil ben do you think it's fair to say that unless everton get a, a striker in the transfer window obviously with dominic carvert lewin's absence and maybe the everton coaches and staff not fancying salomon rondon do you think everton may find it really, really tough to, to break teams down and score in the important moments in games? Yeah, I think we've seen that yesterday. We played some nice football throughout the first and second half. We, we kept possession. But it's when it gets to that final third that doesn't really seem to be an end product. And you look at these other teams, like Chelsea, for example, yesterday, when they're on the attack, that there's four or five players in the box. I think, I think Kante, I thought, was, was, was brilliant. He rolled back the years yesterday, marshalled them really well. But when they're on the attack, everyone just floods the box. And you, you compare that to Everton, where we work the ball really well, get it out wide, and then there's, there's Anthony Gordon in the middle, and he's not surrounded by anyone else. You're not going to score loads of goals with only one person in the box. You need to be trying to overcommit. Maybe they were being cautious because they knew the, the counter-attacking ability of Chelsea. Maybe that was the game plan. But I'm, I'm expecting, obviously, next week against like Aston Villa, who didn't perform particularly well themselves, uh, over the weekend, that we can go there and maybe be the counter-attacking side, maybe flood more numbers into the box, take more risks, 
because we do, you're not going to win games unless you score. I know I sound like a Michael Owen comment there, but you're not. If you can't score goals, you're not going to win games. That's just as simple as it is. We look very good defensively, which is a massive positive, but we look like we just couldn't score. We could have been playing for a while, I think, yesterday, and I don't think we would have created many chances. We kind of resorted to long ball football and hoping the ball dropped at somebody's feet. But look, let's see what let's see what happens this week. It's something that must be sorted out. But what, what I want to say just off topic is the impact that the likes of Ashley Cole are having on that sideline because he was he was instrumental yesterday on the line. I don't know if many people watched the bench, but I, I was fortunate enough to sit above them, like Lee mentioned before. Met the, the new boy, he is a big fella. But Ashley Cole was so animated. He was talking to all the subs, the subs. He was talking to all the players on the pitch. And it was also almost like it was Lampard has told him to go through Ashley Cole, which was great to see. Mikhailenko was coming over through the through the game. Patterson was coming over through the game when Ben Godfrey was injured. So that was really good for me to see. Obviously, he got one of the best left backs of all time in Ashley Cole. And the fullbacks were going to him for advice. I'm sorry for going off on a tangent, but I just needed to make sure that that got in on this podcast. So it's great to see. And that's what I want to mention before when we were talking about the fullbacks. Sorry to go off topic as I always do. No, no, it's a, it's a, it's a great point. And Lee, moving on, looking at the... I know we spoke about the, the forward options, but there's been a lot of discussions after the game in regards to, did Frank Lampard get it wrong? Should he have started Deli Alley down the middle? A bit of a bigger frame, maybe hold the ball up a bit more to allow the midfielders to... Get up the pitch with the with the wing backs. Do you think he should have started Deli Ali, or do you think he went with the right three? Well, hindsight's a wonderful thing, and at the end of the day, the, the front three did underperform. I thought they were all quite poor yesterday. Poor is probably harsh. Uh, I'd say ineffective um, yesterday. Um, so yeah, and I and I'm surprised because you listen to Lampard's press conference earlier in the week and. He was asked the question directly around Deli Ali starting, and it looked like it was pointing towards that he was going to. And and you look at his attributes, you know, he has got a bigger frame, he's more experienced, he's played that false nine position at Spurs previously, as Lampard alluded to. So it was a shock for me. Um, I know his fitness has been brought into question in terms of being able to complete 90 minutes, but even even starting the game and, and giving us an hour or 70 minutes, I think he will have proven to have been more effective than the three that we that we went with or Anthony Gordon down the middle, which it was just a huge square peg in a round hole. It just didn't work. And I'd be very, very surprised if we were to ever see a repeat of that again. I think there'll be a different options used, um, hopefully Deli Ali. Uh, and, and he came on and, yeah, he did okay. Um I think the jury's very much still out, including me. I just don't know what to make of him. He shows flashes of the old player that you know, the whole of the country held in such high regard for such a long time. Um, you know, but there's other times where you know he's just not quite on. He doesn't look as sharp. Um, you know, he looks a little bit bigger than he used to back at Spurs as well. Whether that's just natural maturity, I'm not too sure. Uh, he just doesn't look as fit as the Deli Ali that we saw in. 2014, 2015, etc. Um, but I think he would have been he would have been a, a more sensible option. Um, and listen, but you, you learn from your mistakes. Lampard's chosen the front three he did for a reason. He's tried to offer an explanation after the game in terms of offering fluid movements um, up there and being able to interchange positions and things like that. It didn't quite work. Chelsea had a field day, um, so Deli Ali has probably got a right to to be questioning why he didn't get that opportunity yesterday. And if, if we don't get a striker in this week, uh, I pray to God that we do because we, we need one so badly. I'm not going to labour that point. 
but I would like him to be starting up front against Aston Villa because I think he'll just cause them uh, more problems and he's more of a goal threat than any of the three that we've mentioned. Mm, ben, I know it was a defeat and it's always not nice to to lose a game, but there were, like we said, there were shoots of positivity, wasn't there? And under Frank Lampard and Kevin Tharwell, you could see some sort of structure now building. It's a work in progress, of course, but there is a structure, isn't there? And you can see the way that Frank Lampard would like his Everton team to play. Yeah, we, we, we've got to remain realistic. It, it's not going to change overnight. I think we were quite optimistic going into the season, obviously some of the signings, but it's Chelsea at home. Chelsea, who two years ago were European champions, were in the Champions League. They were a very good side and they showed that yesterday. Two, two cows got them playing really nice football. And they look defensively sound as well. Don't don't forget, they don't concede many goals. They really, really don't. So it's one of them. You've got to look at these these fixes with with a bit of positivity because that's what we're here for. We, but slowly you're starting to see something. We talked about it in the preseason podcast, us three, um, <clears throat> about what preseason was for, what we were looking for, why we're playing that system. And yesterday I did see glimpses of that. I think the Awobi Decore pivot is something that's been unearthed during pre-season, which, which could be brilliant. I think Awobi, like Lee, and I touched on earlier on, was instrumental, best player on the pitch by a mile. But it's just finding that balance of when the fullbacks overlap, where the wingers stand, because it's all new to these players as well, because we didn't play 3-4-3 last year. We predominantly played 4-3-3. And with the signing of the likes of Connor Cody coming in, I think that's the formation Lampard's going to stick with now for the season. So it's not going to be perfect on match day one, on, on your first competitive game. We've just got to be patient, but it's really nice to see the set pieces looked a lot more solid. It looked like a lot more like man-marking. They had, if we went back to basics, there was big lads on the posts. People were picking up the men and we didn't concede from, like you said, 16 corners. So that was a massive positive. So hats off to whoever has been on set pieces this week, because you've, you kind of feel that anticipation throughout the whole ground when a, a team comes to Goodison who gets a free kick, who gets a corner. You can feel like this. It's like a, it's like a low moan and people are expecting and waiting for that goal to happen, but it didn't come. So hats off. That's a brilliant improvement for me, which is something we, we desperately had to improve on from last year. But look, it's not all doom and gloom. It isn't. It's a defeat. It's a frustrating defeat. For me, a point would have been fair. I think I don't think Chelsea particularly deserved to win the game, but I don't think we deserved to win the game. So I reckon a point would have been a fair result. But look, let's take the positives. Aston Villa away next weekend. Let's go there with the same game plan and let's try and get something there and get our Premier League campaign up and running. Lee, are you, are you content with Everton playing with the back five, going away from home as well as playing at home? Can you see the structure? Is it a pleasing sight? Again, I know it's only one game, but are you just as pleased as Ben that there is some sort of structure and they look a, a well-drilled team now? Yeah, absolutely. Um, as I said, I think we've all been sceptical in the past when Everton have used the back five um, purely because we didn't didn't have the players for it. And it ultimately, it comes down to personnel and players who are, who are comfortable and have got the ability to perform in those positions. Um, so you get the likes of James Tarkovsky coming in, Connor Cody coming in imminently. They lend themselves well to, the, to playing in those positions. That's what they like. That's what they enjoy. So it's horses for courses. It's bringing players who, who fit the system that, that you've got uh, or, or that you, you want to uh, deploy. So it, it's sensible. 
And, you know, there's not many times that us three have been on podcasts and used the word sensible uh, a lot in the last 18 months. It's just, it, it's, it's refreshing to see some, you know, sensible decisions being made. Um, thought going into player recruitment. Um, and yeah, it, it's stability. We don't want to be chopping and changing. Of course, you're going to come up against different opponents and you're going to, you know, the management team are going to be studying those during the week and, and there may be weeks where we can change things around a bit and you need a plan B and a plan C. But ultimately, Lampard has got a, a system that he wants to play um, and he, he needs to set that out. He needs to build familiarity between players um, because I, I look back to seasons when Everton have been successful um, in, in recent memory, maybe going back to the Moyes era. And it always seems like we've done well when we've had a real set system where you know what to expect week in, week out. You're not using 20 plus players um, and rotating people left, right and centre. Uh, you want to be able to almost name your team each week. Uh, injuries will happen. Losses of form will happen. Uh, but you want that continuity. Um, so, yeah, I'm all for it. And as I say, I think ben, Ben's right. Stick with it. Make the changes that we need to in the front um, in the in the in the forward areas of the pitch, I think we obviously we've got we've got that wrong yesterday. We'll keep everything else the same, um, and hope that that repetition will breed results. And and there's no reason whatsoever, none whatsoever, why we can't go to Villa Park against a team who flattered to deceive, uh, and against the manager who was struggling more than the media like to let on, um, and get a positive result. Absolutely no reason why we can't. Ben. I read an article and it said that Everton's back five and, and structure was that of a mid-table team. But Everton's attacking uh, ability was of a relegation team. Do you, do you think that's fair to say? I think he probably is right. We need a striker. It's simple as that. We need somebody to come in who's going to get us goals. We we haven't replaced the Richarlison goals, who was, was our biggest goal threat last season. We haven't replaced that. Dwight McNeil is a is a good, tidy player. Doesn't really have a big goal-scoring season. Anthony Gordon chipped in here and there, as does Damari Gray. But we haven't got an out-and-out goal-scorer, and that's Everton's problem, and that's something that we need to address now. I don't think we've had one since... Obviously, Dominic Carver-Lewin had that season under Carlo Ancelotti, where he was scoring week in, week out. But since that, we haven't, we're going back to Lukaku, really, since our last out-and-out goal-scorer. So that's something that Everton do need to address. If, like I said, you, you need to score goals. That's something we haven't done for a long time. Last year, we didn't score many goals. But it was back to the wall defending. It was nick a goal and defend. But we need to start getting these, these goals in because then we can maybe go into a back five and then see out the games. I'm more confident defending a, a, a leading position now than I was last season. So let's try and get some goals. Let's try and get an attacker in. And let's start trying to like see out these results. It is it is probably a true statement because there's no recognised striker in a first eleven is a shambles, really, to put it bluntly. But look, there's still time to, to address that and sort it out. I hope they do because they definitely need to as soon as possible. And there we have it. Everton nil, Chelsea won. Everton fall to a home defeat in the first game of the season at Goodison Park. Keep an eye on our social media 
for more episodes on Patreon, Spotify, and Apple. Thank you to everybody that came to the View from the Bullins event at the Beer Keller, a sold-out Beer Keller, and it was an absolutely fantastic time, and everybody had a really, really good night. In the meantime, take care, and all the very best. Thank you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.